From Relay FM, this is Virtual, episode number 32. Today's show is brought to you by Harry's, an exceptional shave at a fraction of the price. My name is Mike Hurley, and I'm joined, as always, by the one and only Mr. Federico Batici. Hi, Federico. Hello, Mike. How are you? I am very well. How are you? I'm doing very well. So I I've should been... mention before I forget that we're taking next week off you know, yeah. for, any, for the, the listening public because I'm going to be traveling um, and it's, it was too much to try and show everything. And so we're going to have one week, a one week break next week on this show. We're going to we're going to give our listeners time to play some video games mm-hmm. and we'll be back to discuss uh, well, some follow up on what we're going to talk about today because we... At least I have some thoughts to share with you, Michael. Oh, okay. If you wanna, if you wanna hear my thoughts, I always wanna uh, hear your thoughts. Awesome. So before we talk about this topic, I have some links, if you don't mind, mm-hmm. to discuss really quickly. So Twitch plays Pokemon. A um, couple of episodes ago, we mentioned that uh, this, you know, is it called to? Is it fair to call it a project at this point? Because it's I not really so. an, an experiment anymore. It's, like it's a, a project. Now. It's a movement. <laughs> yes, it's a movement. Um, they embarked on this mission to catch all the 151 Pokemon from the original version of Pokemon Red, but a special version of Pokemon Red when, you know, you get to... Uh, it's, it's being modified to just for Twitch Plays Pokemon. And we call this mission crazy because, I mean, it's people sending text comments in a chat to, you know, it can get a bit confusing and messy, but they managed to catch all the Pokemon. They finished the game and it's crazy, but they did it. And what a, the realization for me, I mean, besides the fact that people are crazy enough to do this, is that there are many people still playing Twitch Plays Pokemon, which is why uh, it's, it's turned from a cool experiment to a whole movement of you know people on Twitch. And it's an interesting format. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't have the patience or the time to do this, but, you know, there's people who, there's people who I mean, respect, you know? <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, I, I can't believe they did it. I'm, yeah. I'm- just absolutely flabbergasted by the fact that they were able to make it happen uh, but they did it again they they caught them all man oh, i love this so much it's so cool i i want twitch plays pokemon for everything should be like a feature of a uh, developers should make new games with a t- twitch plays pokemon mode and you get all people online i don't know just a crazy idea but these people are crazy and, and we love them um the second link is a bit of a mix between something we covered on Connected, which is our other show about Apple and technology, and I think some discussion that we often have about uh, video game preservation and, you know, keeping video games intact for the future. And I found this article uh, on Gamasutra. Um, Jason Scott from the Inner Archive gave a talk, I think, at GDC a few weeks ago uh, about, the, you know, the importance of preserving video game memories. Mm. And what caught my attention is not, you know, the simple act of preserving video games, as in, you know, cartridges, discs, and just software in general, but also the importance of keeping the context of making a video game intact for the future. So it refers to the details of game development and the importance of, you know, uh, keeping a diary, keeping a log of all everything that goes on during development. And he mentions, as an example, ID Software, uh, when they were making the original first-person sh- uh, first shooter Doom many, many years ago, they kept a whole diary of... Uh, I mean, besides the game code, 
They kept a diary of pictures and videos of the team. Uh, they even kept the details of the music they were listening to while making the game. Oh man, this and is like a dream for you. This is exactly this is a this is a time capsule. <laughs> you know, it's exactly what I what I think many developers should be doing because it's important. You know, fifty years from now. There's going to be people who look back at the 1980s as a whole century ago. And I think it'll be interesting to keep, besides code and software and the physical uh, physical games, uh, it'll be interesting to keep in the context. Um, it's a very, very nice uh, initiative, I think. The Internet Archive is awesome. And so if you're a developer, make sure to follow their advice. Um, I want to mention then a homebrew project for the 3DS. So a while ago, uh, a person whose name I don't remember adapted uh, Portal, the Valve game, the you know the genius <laughs> uh, first-person shooter M kind of puzzle game uh, on to the DS, and now he managed to port uh, this game, which is originally for PC, and I'm gonna say Xbox. I may be wrong. It's been it's been ported to many other platforms. Yeah, um, I bought it on Xbox. Yeah, and I think probably it's probably on PlayStation now as well. Yeah. So he ported the game to the 3DS, and there's a video on Kotaku that you can uh, you can watch. It's of course an unofficial project, not uh, not not a Valve initiative, but it's uh, I mean it it looks nice, and it's the real Portal with all the game mechanics. And I would love to play Portal on a on a portable console. I don't know about the oh, 3DS. I, I would love to, like to play it on Vita. Man, that would just be yeah. killer. Yeah. So let me tell you a secret. I never finished Portal. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> I I gotta I gotta you know. I, I wish gotta, that we both had a console that could play Portal Two, because the co-op mode on Portal Two is one of the very best things that's ever existed. For as much as I hate to say this, they should make a remaster <laughs> of Portal. Oh, some... they definitely should. They definitely yeah, because, should. I mean, everybody's doing remasters. <laughs> you know, every every couple of days there's an announcement of an old Xbox or PlayStation game being remastered for PS4. Uh, still, I mean, it's Portal and it's crazy and it's genius. Um, next up, Mike, I think you'll like this. It's a video. I know that you like videos and I know that you like videos on YouTube. Um, it's a video about the Nintendo uh, game design process for the most recent Mario games, and especially uh, starting from Mario Galaxy and Mario Galaxy 2, and then Super Mario 3D Land, and especially Super Mario 3D World for the Wii U. Uh, it's this video that illustrates how Nintendo introduces game mechanics and basically gets players to learn these mechanics, then twists them, uh, you know, introduces some kind of a twist, yeah. and then concludes... That's the beauty of, of these, of their, like, design. It's like yeah. you will learn something by the pure nature that you have to... Um, you, you're faced with an obstacle that forces you to learn. Uh, this is like in the indie game, the movie, they talk about this with um, Super Meat Boy. Mm -hmm. Is it Super Meat Boy? Or am I getting it confused? I think it is Super Meat Boy. Yeah. yeah, how they say, like, they, they don't do a tutorial, but it's like you learn that you can hold to jump by the mere fact that the jump is just slightly too large if you just press the button, so you have to hold it. Like, yeah, I, I, I love that kind of design, where it's like yeah. you, you learn because you must learn rather than being forced to learn. 
Yeah, and in and in this video, it focuses especially on uh, 3D World for the Wii U uh, because it's. Uh, I mean, I finished this game on the Wii U, and it's a game full of mechanics, full of different, you know, uh, power ups and skills that you can use to to complete levels. And there's so much stuff in 3D World; it can be overwhelming for some people, and it, and even for me, like. There's so many new things you can try and you can experiment and but when you take a look at this video uh, you realize how Nintendo is very uh, precise in the way they introduce these mechanics first in a safe environment so for instance when they, they when they teach you that you can uh, there was an example in the video I think it was cat Mario or maybe the, the the moving platforms when you jump and the platform switches from red to blue yep. first you introduce this mechanic in a safe environment so even if you fall you fall on the ground mm -hmm. then Let they you practice to practice exactly then they make you learn this mechanic by actually if you fall you die and then they they introduce some kind of a twist maybe there's an enemy or maybe you gotta combine these platforms with an obstacle and then there's the level conclusion that you know wraps it all together and you you have to use your newly acquired skills uh to finish the level and i think it's it's brilliant and this mechanic it's uh, this way of designing games um it's really like when you play this game, it feels natural. But then when you take a look at the video, you know, you see all these details and you're like, huh, yeah, this makes sense. And Nintendo, you know, we, we often criticize the company because they get so many things wrong. But when it comes to game design, they know what they're doing, most definitely. And so it's a, it's a brief video. I think it's five or six minutes. So go check it out. Where can people watching. find these links? They can find them over at relay.fm slash virtual slash 32. Hey, Federico. Hey, Mike. So at the start of this episode, I fired up a uh, telescope, the periscope, that's it. Yeah. So people have been, have been watching this, oh, yeah? been watching what's happening here. What are they looking at? They're looking at my screen. Can they hear me? No. Okay. I'm going to work on that, though, I think, maybe, because hmm. this is fun. There, was, People told me that... Uh, they actually couldn't watch it. There were too many people watching. <laughs> That's cool, right? Yeah, because you get uh, you get too many people in this broadcast. I think it was like two hundred people watching it at one point. Yeah, man. Periscope. I'm. I mean, we tried it yesterday mm -hmm. privately, mm -hmm. um, and I, I'm so like excited to see where this live streaming stuff goes. Uh, I, I think it's uh, it's the right time, you know, because cellular networks are fast enough, and I mean, of course, iPhones are always with us. I don't know. It's interesting. Uh, I, I I wasn't into the whole meerkat. This thing. app. I mean, I I did a meerkat stream of me recording some audio for a for a show, and that was that was pretty fun. But the the um, UI of Periscope is way superior. Yeah. The only thing better. that I would prefer it would wish it would do um, is to. Like, what I liked with Meerkat is that the replies came up as tweets, so you could read them afterwards. But, like, these replies are just streaming in, and I don't know if I can ever see them again. Mm. I'm going to make a prediction, and I'm going to say that eventually you'll be, you'll be able to watch um, Periscope streams directly in the Twitter app. Oh, uh, that's, a, that seems like a, an inevitability, with, right? Yeah, with a Periscope card, maybe. Because the, I, I guess the whole point is to allow people to... Uh, you know, to send tweets uh, to these live streams 
but then you're all, you're you're still taken to the Periscope app. Whereas I I think that you know being able to watch a stream and a replay of the stream inside Twitter would be you know much better. Apparently, I don't know. It, I can watch the. I was just told in Periscope, I can watch the replay uh, yeah. to see the, the the messages. But that's kind of not what I, I really liked that you could read them back later on. Yeah, and I guess the replays um, uh, last for twenty four hours. They're not uh, permanent. They're not forever. I don't think they should be. No, this, no, this is like it's be. very ephemeral content. Like what yeah. I'm doing right now, people are not going to be interested. I can't believe there are people watching it right now. But how many people? Right there's now? 76 at the moment. Okay, but they did go up to over 200, and that was when it started to break down. But yeah. there's more people watching this than there is listening live. So most of the time, they're just watching me silently clicking things. That's because it's a, it's a more you know accessible experience because it's right on your phone. Joe Steele is making title suggestions in Periscope. I don't think he understands how this <laughs> how works. <it> works. <laughs> yeah. um, so to finish off our links, um, I wanna I wanna mention how awesome Rami Ismail is. Well, that's just so, a given. Yeah, I know. I just wanna state it again. So Rami is one of the guys uh, be, behind Blumbeer. Uh, awesome game studio. Uh, they're making Nuclear Throne, and they're behind some of the finest games uh, from the indie development scene, such as uh, Luft Trousers, Super Crate Box, Ridiculous Fishing, our winning game on iOS. Um, so the thing about Rami is that he releases so much stuff for free to the developer community, and he open sources a lot of. Things, a lot of resources that can help other developers. Uh, I know that, uh, for instance, um, there's a press kit, which is um, it's a it's a bunch of downloads to more easily put together a press release and a whole actually a whole press page for your game if you're a developer and you want to get people to check out your game. So Rami is awesome, but his next initiative is really I, I really want to mention it on the show. Uh, it's called Game Dev World, or maybe Game Dev Dot World, and it's uh it's it's still not it's still not available. It's coming soon, and it'll be a resource to expand the conversation about making games to non-English speaking countries. So um, there's an article on on Offworld about this project, and so basically it'll be like a curated a curated uh, a website where you can download. Uh, all these different resources, so documents, uh, I'm guessing, you know, resources to make video games, uh, tips on how to approach the press, how to test video games before release, and all these resources, all these pieces of content will be translated into a number of languages. Uh, From the beginning, it'll be Spanish, uh, Portuguese, Russian, Arabic, and simplified Chinese, and if this is successful, uh, they'll they'll add more languages. So, I mean, Rami is always traveling, is always having talks around the world and, you know, conferences. He talks to a lot of young developers from, even from developing countries. Uh, and he really tries to expand, you know, the conversation about making games and making a living out of video games. And... This initiative, I mean, we talk about, you know, we talk about stupid games. We talk about, we talk about more serious stuff. And this is one of those serious projects that I think needs attention. So, yeah, Rami is awesome. And he has an awesome team. And so go check it out. Uh, both the article on Boing Boing and 
there's also the blog post on Rami's website. Sounds good. Should we take a break before we talk about the PlayStation? Yeah. This week's episode is brought to you by our friends over at Harry's. For many of us, shaving can be a pain. It sucks, it can be uncomfortable, and razor blades today are outrageously expensive. This is where you enter Harry's. It's started by two guys who were just looking for a better product without having to pay an arm and a leg to get it. They believe that you shouldn't have to fight your way through a drugstore to some cabinet that you have to get somebody to unlock. They just want you to be able to go in, like get the blades that you want, and it's that. And the way that they do that is by offering it all online and all for a great price. Harry's make their own blades. They have high-quality, high-performing German blades. They're crafted by shaving experts. They love these blades so much that they bought the factory. Uh, that like They just went out there and was like, this is exactly what we need. We're just going to go out and buy it. So they offer these high-quality blades which give you a great shave at about a fraction of the price of other big branded blades. For example, a Harry's shaver who shaves every day could save about $150 each year when they use Harry's. Harry's believe so much in satisfaction. They want to make sure that you are really happy with their products. So they they offer a satisfaction guarantee with their product. I love Harry's stuff. It looks fantastic. It's got this really cool and retro like look to it. Their products feel really great to use. Like I'm talking like the way that the razors feel in the hand, the way the blades feel on the face, and how their products feel as well. Like their uh, I love their moisturizing stuff. Um, they have great aftershave balm type things, like you know, like to stay moisturized as well. They have an aftershave moisturizer that I really love. They also have a great like um, I love their foaming shave gel where you just spray a little bit of gel into your hands and it foams up into this lather that you put on the face. Um, I love that their starter set as well comes at just $15. You get a razor, moisturizing shave, cream, or foaming shave gel, and three razor blades for just 15 bucks. But you can get it for $10 if you use my $5 off code. This is uh, available for people with their first purchase. You want to use the code virtual at checkout, and that's going to get you $5 off at H-A-R-R-Y-S.com. That's harrys.com and code virtual. Experience a clean, close, comfortable shave with Harry's. Thank you so much to Harry's for their support of this show. I was looking at you on the, on the Periscope stream. <laughs> <laughs> you look nice. Thank you. I I did just go for a trim, and I I keep my uh, my time. neck shaved with with my Harry's razor, Federico. To stay sharp for the periscope. Nice, nice. So, Mike, I want to talk about my latest purchase. Oh yeah. In terms of a uh, video game purchases, it's uh, PlayStation Four. I know we talked about this. Uh, it finally happened. I have a PS Four. And I have some first impressions. Oh, yes. Please tell me. Okay, so I think it's fair to say that this is my first real next-gen console because I have a Wii U. I don't have an Xbox One. Uh, but the Wii U, it's kind of, you know, you know, it's different. It's not really the next generation. It's kind of in between. And so this is my first... You know, I didn't have a PS3. I had an Xbox 360, but... I, didn't play it much. Um, so this is my, my... I'm coming back to PlayStation after, I don't know, 10 years, 8 years, maybe, you know. It's been, it's been a while since I had a, uh, an actual PlayStation that is not the Vita. So I bought this uh, standard PlayStation with a 500 gigabyte hard drive, and it's a black PS4. 
So it's the very basic model. And for the games, I bought physical copies of Final Fantasy Type-0 HD and The Last of Us Remastered. Um, so what I want to talk about first is the setup experience of, uh, you know, setting up a PS4. Mm-hmm. So I I sort of knew that there, it was going to be slow and, you know, that I had to do a bunch of updates. And so it was really slow, actually. <laughs> and it was really long. And there were How many updates menus. did you have to do? Uh, it actually, it prompted me to do just one update. I, I think it, like, bundled up a bunch of updates together. So... What was nice, I mean, the update itself was nice because it he, he, he jumped to the latest version and while, after configuring, you know, my, my TV settings, my network settings and my PSN account, it started downloading in the background. So when I reached the, um, the software update screen in the, in the setup process, it was already kind of half downloaded in the background. So that was nice. Um, what I didn't like was all the menus and stuff that you need to accept and, you know, the settings for PSN and sharing with friends and, you know, the, the, the agreements that you got to accept. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's not a friendly experience to start with no. these consoles. Like, I understand that there's sometimes there's things that they have to, like, um, that they have to make you update, right? But it, it, it's like the sheer amount of stuff. Yes, yeah, it's just too much. It's it's really too much, especially for someone who, you know, I I skipped the whole uh, PS3 thing and the PlayStation Network, but I have a, you know, I have my PlayStation Network account on the Vita. I just don't remember the setup being so long and slow. Uh, but anyway, uh, you know, I I I got through this the process in about thirty minutes. So it was late at night. I I kind of wished I could I could play uh, right away instead of basically my my first night. Uh, was dedicated to setting up the PlayStation and then going to the to the PSN and downloading uh, the games that I had already downloaded with my PlayStation Plus subscription. So the first night I left the PlayStation in rest mode, which I'm going to talk about, uh, to download all these games in the background. So I re-downloaded uh, Oli Oli 2. Um, I think I downloaded Valiant Hearts, which is a Ubisoft game about the... About the but the first World War, and I downloaded the new Abe Odyssey uh, remake, remaster. Uh, it's called, I think, New and Tasty, uh, the remaster for the PlayStation. Yep. And I also... This is all stuff you got with Plus, right? Yeah, yeah, all stuff that I got with Plus. And I also downloaded... Oh, yeah, I downloaded um, Mercenary Kings, uh, which is a, you know, a 2D shooter that I want to try. So the first night, I enabled Rest Mode, um, which I knew that people liked. I just think it's awesome. <laughs> it's it's this is all new to me. So forgive me if I'm gonna sound excited for stuff that people think it's obvious. Uh, so rest mode uh, lets you uh, keep the PlayStation on. Just it's kind of turned off, but it's on in the background, and it can download uh, games. It can download software updates. Mm-hmm. And it can even power USB ports. So this is a setting that you got activated in the in the power save settings of the PlayStation. But because you can keep the USB ports with power, uh, I can I can uh, you know put my PS4 in rest mode and charge my DualShock in uh, while it's uh, it's off. Mm-hmm. And so while I was enjoying all this new stuff, just two days ago, 
the major 2.5 software update for the PlayStation 4 came out. And it introduces the ability to pause and resume games with rest mode. So this is genius, and I really like this option, because I'm playing The Last of Us, and I can put my PS4 in rest mode, and the game is paused alongside rest mode. So, so rest mode like it's basically off, isn't it? It's basically off. Yeah. The PlayStation I think 4 the Xbox keeps a... one has had this feature already, but anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the the, P- the PlayStation keeps like a a yellow light to mm-hmm. to indicate that it's uh, in rest mode. And so I the first day when I when I went into rest mode, uh the game uh, The Last of Us closed. So the next morning, I had to start the game again. So, you know, go through the loading process and go through the initial menu. Now, when I'm playing, I can just pause the game or even not pause the game, just enter rest mode. The PlayStation is off. The next day, the PlayStation comes on and the game is ready to play because it's paused alongside the whole console. So this is <laughs> amazing. It's it, This is all new to me because you cannot do this stuff on the... I mean, you can sort of do this on the PS Vita, but on a... TV console, you know, with with the spinning disc. This is very nice. Um, one uh, brief comment on the inter- interface of the PlayStation 4. I think it, it is a bit confusing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I get how it works. It's got this horizontal and vertical structure. I think it's just messy. Yeah, uh, I, like it. I think in, uh, the, the interface that uh, Sony did on the Vita, uh, it's kind of more... You know, it, like toy-ish. your game library. Your game library is like in a timeline, which doesn't, which mm-hmm. just doesn't make sense to me. That it's like it's, it's organized weird. by what I played most frequently, like or recently. It just seems weird. I, I don't know. I just want to know where things are rather than like trying to guess where they are. Yeah, it's got this tile-based yeah. kind of interface, and it's sort of like the iOS multitasking interface. You know, it's recent stuff. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think I prefer the. Uh, icon-based approach of the of the PS Vita. It's got my grid or, you know, I don't know what they call it, my grid of icons of apps and games, mm-hmm. and I just tap the games, and, and like, I, it's easier. And this whole, you know, I, I don't think it's a surprise that, you know, non-gamers find these consoles confusing because, I mean, it's a whole thing to learn. And I don't know, it just confused me. And I, and I say this as a, you know, as a software person. I mean, I deal with software on a daily basis and I think this is confusing. Also, the DualShock 4. I, I, I really, really like it. Isn't I, it incredible? It's, it's so comfortable. It's not too big, but also not too small. I like the texture, the texture of the of the controller in the back. Yep. I like the, of course, the sticks. I, I think they got the, 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 you know, the right grip and the right mm-hmm. feel when you when you apply pressure. And I I don't know what the light is for. You know, it's got a light in the front. I I think it's nice when I'm playing The Last of Us, like when I'm in danger uh, or when I'm di- or when I'm about to die, the light turns red. Yep, that's really um, cool. So I think that cool. there is an element of the console being able to pair the controllers as well. If you have a camera, um, th- I don't have a camera. Yeah, you know you can't do it. Um, I don't have one either, and uh, you have to buy the camera separately. It's not like the yeah. and. 
but there there are certain developers that really take advantage of it. I love it with Grand Theft Auto, like when you're being chased by the police and it flashes red and blue. Does The Last of Us at all? I don't remember now. Take advantage of the speaker and the controller. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's so, really that's a really th- great see, addition. That's really great because the light. I mean, it's cool, but I don't see it because I have my hands around the controller. Hey, did you know? Right, you know it's got the headphone port right on the controller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you know I, you I, can route all audio via the controller, so you can plug I, headphones I, in. I guessed I could. I just didn't try. Yeah, you have to do it. It's in the it's in the settings in audio. You can change like the the location to to the controller. So like oh, I nice. do this. Like if I'm playing late at night or whatever, uh, I just have I just plug my headphones right into my um, into my controller and then I can play. It's cool. Nice. Yeah. So uh, in The Last of Us, it's uh, it's it's got this couple of things with the Dual Shock. Um, first, when you turn on your flashlight. Um, with the with the right stick, uh, with uh, I think it's called R three. When you mm-hmm. when you press the stick, mm-hmm. uh, you hear the sound of the the, the flashlight. Yep. You know the switch on the on the speaker of the DualShock. And also, it's got this other DualShock feature when your flashlight, like the you need to like tap the controller uh, on your hands to kind of move the batteries inside the flashlight. Uh, when it starts f- uh, flickering, yeah. you need to do like. Uh, with the controller on your on your palm of your hand, and it's really cool. Um, I also like it's got these two. W- one thing that I don't like uh, these. Uh, it's got instead of the old select and start buttons, it's got um, share, share and options. Yeah, and I don't like the position. I think they're difficult to find. And at least I for me to share activate button all the time without me. Yeah, I struggle to find the options, uh, the options one. I think it's in a really weird position, and I, I I can feel it with my hands as easily as I could with the DualShock Two. Um, I think that you know, I like I get it what they wanna what they wanna do. Uh, instead of calling select and start, I like the idea of the share menu. It's just the position of the buttons. It's kind of weird. I do like the whole the big button in the middle. I, I'm I'm not sure what's the name like. The, the pad, the touchpad. It's it's a touchpad, right? Hmm. I'm not sure. The Last of Us uses it. I mean, you can press it to access the crafting and you know the, the menu when you can craft items, where you can view artifacts. Uh, it doesn't use touch features. At least I haven't no. seen any touch well, features in that. That's because like they it would have been like a fundamental change in the game because it was made for PS3. Yeah. Yeah, so. I guess. I think there's yeah. certain things that there's you'd have to just like totally rethink something and maybe they didn't want to do that. Yeah. I also I'm just going through the things that I that I found kind of confusing. While you're playing, you get notifications for like PSN stuff for when friends add you on on the P, on the PlayStation network. So, I got a couple of notifications while I was playing and you get this blue bar at the top of the screen and um, and I, I have no idea how you switch from the game to that notification bar is there is there a way to to like when i'm playing i get this notification is there a way to act on that notification right away probably by pressing the home button i bet it oh so it's not like a, an in game thing like an actionable notification i, I got to go so. back oh, okay so why do you show me this banner in the game if I, if i can do stuff in the game how is you going to know <laughs> I know. I don't know. It's, I don't it's know. dumb. I, I agree with you. Like I don't. I don't get it. But yeah. I don't know. So I haven't tried any other, you know, uh, social stuff, or I I've just browsed the PlayStation Network to uh, to re-download games, and I've only played The Last of Us so far. So I kind of 
I want to talk about The Last of Us for for you know, a couple of minutes. Um, you played The Last of Us on PlayStation Three? No, Mike? four. I bought it on PS4. Oh, four. I've only played a few okay. hours though. Okay, so I'm obsessed with this game, and and it's really uh, surprising for me. And I can't stop playing this game. I I started playing like for real yesterday. And I played like seven hours so far. And this kind of obsession uh, didn't happen to me for for a while. I think the last time I was ob- this obsessed with a game, this into a game, uh, the last time was uh, Bioshock Infinite. So this is really, you know, kind of surprising. And it's surprising to me because I, you know, I I always thought that The Last of Us was a, was a great game, just not exactly for me. Because, you know, it's got monsters and I get easily spooked by these kind of games. Uh, you know, I get anxious and nervous and stuff. And it's got stealth stealth mechanics. You gotta sneak behind enemies. You gotta, you know, pay attention to how you move and, you know, to the noises you make. And in general, it's, it's got this, you know, sort of post-apocalyptic setting that, you know, it's the kind of stuff that makes me nervous and, ang- and anxious. And instead, there's... Uh, at least for me, there's something to The Last of Us that really gets me. And uh, I've been thinking about how is it possible that in spite of my different taste for this, you know, usually at least for this kind of games, I'm so attracted to The Last of Us and, I, and I'm having fun even, you know, doing the stealth sessions, st- sneaking up on enemies. I'm having fun. I, I don't... I don't I don't cringe when I when I have to do these sort of levels, and I think there's a there's a the, the best part of listing these seven hours of gameplay is this is the balance between these kind of claustrophobic sections, you know, the the tunnels and the, the you know when you when you're in a closed environment, and the contrast when you go outside, when you walk around the city. And when you see the sky, when you see nature taking over, you know, this, this, this Boston is the city where The Last of Us is, you know, at least in the first part of the game. I think there's, there, this balance is really what is keeping me going with the game. And also yesterday I mentioned, so I, I've been thinking about The Last of Us. And yesterday I mentioned on Twitter uh, how much I was enjoying the game. And I got a reply um, saying that it was too emotionally draining. And I get the argument, because there's no comic relief in The Last of Us. There's no, you know, uh, you. there's a lot of tension, and then you get the joke. And so you can spend a couple of minutes laughing and just going around, and then there's the tension again. It's usually j- j- always a tense game. There's always it's like tension. Non- it's non-stop. It's it's nonstop, you know. It's 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 this adventure, and you always gotta keep going. And you know the character Joel is always serious, and at least you know based on what I've seen so far. And there's a lot of death. There's a lot of you know ruins because you see this you know this city uh, <laughs> falling apart completely. But this balance between, you know, it's not exactly you know the comic relief as in most games. It's the inside and outside contrast that I think it's really, I don't know, it's just, uh, it just feels right to me. And so I want to mention how, I know that this is not a PS4 game. I mean, it is a PS4 game, but it's a remaster from the PlayStation 3. So the PlayStation 4 can do much better. 
Um, but I want to mention how it's, it looks really fantastic. Yeah, and I mean, the, the whole idea of it's been 20 years since what you seen in the intro of the game. And the whole idea of seeing nature taking over uh, civilization is really is beautiful. I mean, it's it looks amazing, and I I just I I'm fascinated every time I walk the streets of Boston and I see like these old these old signs, the old cars, the old uh, shops, you know, where people used to go, and you see this twenty years later just completely destroyed and just old and dead and and it it's beautifully rendered not just graphically but just you know the sense of uh, the sense of ruin and the sense of time that the game transmits i think it's really really masterfully done and i this was like a surprise to me because i usually i'm not into this kind of game you know i'm not into zombies and you know uh sneaking up on enemies in games i'm a nintendo person most of the time i like colorful games i like games that make you laugh and i like games where you need to jump or you know adventure like zelda because it's it's an i wouldn't say easy games it's just more relaxed kind of games and this is an adult game this is you know it's serious stuff you see a lot of blood you see a lot of corpses you see a lot of ruins but it's got this balance. It's got this sense. It's got this sense of place in the of the, the story and the game mechanics, and it's really it gets to me. And it's been a it's been a really nice surprise. Couple of comments. Great, great acting. I think so far, um, it feels almost like a movie. And I know that I've missed on a lot of these like cinematic ex- experiences in the PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360 era. Uh, and I think that my excitement uh, is a result of me being stuck in the Nintendo world when it comes to recent generations mm-hmm. and the old PlayStation 2 world when it comes to PlayStation uh, experiences. So I know that in the last gen, there were a lot of these cinematic kind of games, but this is new to me. Like the and one you're playing right now. Yeah, and <laughs> good comment. Yeah. Uh, there's not much music in this game. There's a there's some music like some guitar, usually acoustic guitar music, and it's really nice. But at least so far, there's no soundtrack going on all the time. You're mostly. I mean, it's it's this game is huge on having to hear what's going on. I was on. gonna say. I think it's because this game is very important that you listen. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta listen what goes on. You gotta listen to the clickers. I just hate the oh, clickers. God. Let me just... They're the worst. But also, and this is another surprise. I'm having fun with the clickers. <laughs> I mean, they're awful, okay? But I'm it's not It's basically feeling... like a zombie uh, type character yeah. that, that makes this like clicking sound. It's like they use sonar because they have no eyes. Yeah. Um, and so you you hear the noises that they make and, and that's to build uh, tension and stress and kind of like yeah. thrill. Yeah, and then, you know, then you gotta very pay attention. Very yeah, clever. very clever design. You gotta pay attention to how you move uh, because they can hear, you know, even the, even the, uh, every single step that you make. So even if you move or, <laughs> 
God, God bless you if you're gonna, if you're gonna shoot a gun. Uh, but even if you move, uh, they're gonna hit you. They're gonna run at you, swinging their arms, and they're gonna kill you instantly. Yeah. So they're, you, they're not normal zombies in this game. They have speed. Oh, there's a runners that you know. There's yeah. stalkers and clickers. So the clickers, like people, even you, Mike, you, you were you were telling me, oh my God, you gotta pay attention to the clickers because they're the worst, and they are the worst. But I'm having fun, and I'm, uh, today, like. I was playing um, a, a section. So this is uh, beyond uh, what you told me you reached uh, in the game. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to avoid spoilers. But there's a section when the, you got to go through this series of uh, open sections. It's kind of like a, like a labyrinth uh, in the open. Yeah, I think it's the backyard of a church. And it's a bunch of uh, open rooms. And there was a group, of, a group of first two clickers, then six clickers all at once. And I was playing this game, and I was playing this section, and as you can imagine, so the clickers, when you, when you kill them, uh, they make awful <laughs> noises. They're almost like, uh, like pigs. They start to scream with this inhuman noise. And so Sylvia, my girlfriend, came from the, from the kitchen. I was playing in the bedroom. And she was like, can I close the door? Because, you know, these noises and, uh, you know, I was shooting guns. They're really annoying and they, they um, you know, they're creepy. And so I, yeah, I was like, yeah, sure, close the door. And after a couple of minutes, she opens the door and she's like, why are you laughing? <laughs> Basically, I was having fun because the clickers are fundamentally stupid. Uh, because if you pay attention, once you realize that if you don't move, they're not going to see you. I was having fun. Click, uh, killing the clickers from a distance. <laughs> so what I do is I attract the clickers uh, in a in a single spot. So I attract uh, a bunch of clickers in a in a you know I throw like a bottle or I throw a brick, and all the clickers they just rush to that spot because they imagine that there's some someone you know there. Once I attract the clickers, <laughs> I throw a, a Molotov bottle or maybe like a like a bomb. <laughs> and they and they either they either catch fire or they explode, <laughs> and it's super fun to watch those stupid beings just rush all there, all excited, and then boom, they <laughs> they just explode. And and uh, I don't know, I was laughing, I was having fun just trying different ways to attract the clickers in in a single place, and um, yeah, and it's so I don't know. If this is just me being a grown-up at this point and I'm enjoying these kind of more mature games, or if it's something about The Last of Us. Again, this balance between exploration, trying different tactics, and also, you know, the gritty nature of the game. I don't know. There's something about The Last of Us that gets me. So I'm seven hours into this game. I really like the story. I want to know how it ends. A lot of people told me you gotta see the ending and you gotta play the DLC uh, left behind so minor spoiler you you got to the point where Tess dies right yeah I'm past that I'll tell you where I am okay Um, and the reason that I stopped playing is I couldn't get past this area uh you're you're you've you're being chased by like the SWAT team Oh yeah, okay. And you're in this area where you have to you have to like um 
like go through this like building like this yeah, abandoned yeah. building like it's outside and they're shining torches on you and they keep like finding you yeah yeah i, I didn't like that but yeah i ran through that section last night um so i was really surprised of the test death you know i i didn't see that happening especially when when she uh, when ellie figures out that she's infected like i yeah. i i sort of uh I thought that Tess was going to be a major character in the game, in, th- throughout the whole game. And instead, she's like dead in the first five hours. That was really a surprise. I know that Tess is going uh, to be in the DLC, I think. Right. Left Behind. Right. It's kind of my, my impression. I try to avoid spoilers as much as possible. Uh, I was just surprised. And again, this whole cast of characters, I, I don't know. I'm just in love with this game, Michael. And it's a surprise to me. And I'm having fun again, killing these sort of creatures. Also having fun picking up all the items and crafting. I don't know. See, this is this is why I needed to get a PS4. Because <laughs> there's these new types of games that for a long time I just completely ignored. And it turns out that I'm into these games. <laughs> and this is yeah, amazing. So much fun. Glad really, really. It. I'm so pleased yeah, you I'm... finally got one. Oh, yeah, man. And now I kind of, I, I told you uh, this before, I want to get one of those, you know, uh, silly, low, uh, relatively low pressure uh, FPS games. I just want to shoot stuff and, and see the beautiful graphics. Um, I, I tried to look for a used copy of uh, Call of Duty or Fair Cry 4, mm-hmm. couldn't, couldn't find them because I could find used copies at like 40 euros, so, you know too much uh but at this point maybe if i wanna if i wanna see great graphics i should just get the new battlefield heartline uh, yeah i on, guess on the ps4 I, I, are you interested in bloodborne i mean that's meant to be nope. like no nope. neither am i oh i take i take let me let me rephrase that i am interested oh yeah because same. it's meant to just be so good i just know that i won't like to play a game with those sort of monsters <laughs> No, it's not really about... Yeah, maybe it's also about That's the monsters. That's it for me. Like, I, I think I'd get a bit scared of it. Yeah, because I don't think I'll be able to laugh at the monsters in no. Bloodborne. I mean, because the clickers are awful. You know, they're awful to look at and, they're, you know, they, they make you nervous. But they're, again, they're, they're stupid. So you can sort of have fun with them. You can play with them in a way. But Bloodborne, based on the videos and the screenshots that I saw, it's really, really dark. Mm-hmm. And also, but that's not the main problem with me. Um, it's the fact that it's an unforgiving game, and that the whole premise of the game is of you being frustrated until you beat the game and you beat the bosses and the monsters. And that's not really the, the game for me because even The Last of Us, it lets me choose the difficulty uh, of which to. To play the game, so I went with normal, but I can switch to easy at any time, you know. And I just my lifestyle, my routine. I just don't have the time to spend, you know, like three hours doing just one section. Just, you know, I appreciate I appreciate those games. It's just not for me. So uh, what I'm gonna do, I guess, is I'm gonna finish The Last of Us, play Final Fantasy uh, Type Zero, and the demo. See. Didn't even have the demo for the Final Fantasy 15 demo. Uh, oh man! So, so you so haven't played any of that yet? No, 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 nothing. Didn't didn't have time and just been playing the last one because after the first hours, been op- I've been completely obsessed. I know that there's been an incomparable episode. Uh, it's a it's a podcast. Uh, 
with a with a bunch of awesome people that we know. Uh, there's a, an episode of The Incomparable with um, I think John Syracuse and Tiff, uh, yep. Mark Harmon's mm-hmm. wife. I gotta listen to the episode, but first I gotta finish the game and the DLC. Uh, yeah, again, total total surprise. I'm into The Last of Us for real. So thank you, Michael, for uh, and all our listeners for pushing me to get a PS4. Brianna was on that episode too. Oh yeah, yeah, and Steve awesome. Lutz with Jason. See, I I really gotta listen. I'll put that in the show notes. Yeah, I've I have that saved until the day that I complete the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's episode number. 208 but it'll be in our show notes nice so yeah mike i'm uh obsessed thank you for <laughs> pushing me to to get a ps4 good i'm pleased i'm pleased awesome so i'm sure we'll hear more about that in a couple of weeks time oh yeah oh yeah now we got a whole setup with virtual we got a wii u we both got a ps4 you got an xbox one we got the new 3ds we got the vita we got everything the next step mike will be pc gaming no <laughs> <laughs> so I'm probably we'll I'm probably just gonna take my Vita with me on my trip. I'm not sure. So I forgot to mention I even tried remote play last night. Oh, what did you think of that? I I'll have more thoughts over the next few weeks because I only tried for twenty minutes. It you wasn't should try a, when you're in the turbo to play. Oh, this is my question. Can I try yes. remotely? Yes. It just has to be like I don't know if if it, like the PlayStation should be on or in rest mode, but I know people that have played in hotel rooms. Okay. So if my internet is fast enough, it is fast enough here. So if it's fast enough in the turbo, I can leave my PS4 in rest mode. Uh, my 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 connection stays on anyway because I got my camera monitoring my house for me, and I will try. I, I from last night I tried for uh, twenty minutes. It wasn't as stable or as you know smooth as the gamepad with the Wii U, but I wanna, I wanna comment once I get more playtime with the remote play in the future. Sounds good. First impre- first impression wasn't wasn't really good, but we'll see. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I think it's you know, it's so it's so connection based. But I know that people that have had like have good connections or whatever, they really say that it's great. So. I'm willing, I'm willing to have faith. That's about it for this week's episode. If you want to find us online, I'm at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. Federico is at Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I, and he writes at thegreatmaxstories.net. Thanks again to our sponsor this week, our good friends over at Harry's, and we'll be back next time. Until then, take goodbye, Federico. Arrivederci.